Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Rachel Dunstan on the show, who is a custom cake baker here in Fresno and who has also appeared on Food Network. Rachel's cakes are absolutely stunning, and I encourage you to visit her Instagram page, which is linked in the show notes below, to see for yourself. As always, I implore you to support this podcast if you enjoy these interviews. You can do that by leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution on our Patreon, which is also linked below. Let's go meet Rachel, and Baker will take us there. So, Rachel, where do you like to eat in Fresno? Uh, My favorite place is Heirloom right now. Um, But aside from that, I have like a list of, I don't know, 20. I kind of made it my own personal job to know where the good food was. I think that I hadn't, there's an ulterior motive there, huh? Um, But I like uh, Royal Taj Tandoori Nights for Indian food Mm. and several taco trucks, all the trucks. All the trucks. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk through the heirloom menu. What is your go-to? Um, you know, it's changed for me over time. Like it was at one place, but it kind of moved. And I think it's just because we're eating it so much these days, all of us collectively that like we have to like, you know, my wife and I had certain things that we would order just kind of religiously and that's modified. We've moved from kind of like sandwiches to like, the plates, you know, kind of yep. like we're growing up, we're evolving. Um, <laughs> but uh, what what is your what's your go to? Uh, well, we're very childish over here. We always are getting their chicken strips oh, because I'm everyone will eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good. You know, I, we oscillate. I'm not saying there's a natural maturity progress towards the plates. Well, I get it. Um, no. If if anything, I definitely am immature anyway. But it's not because. <laughs> It's not because I get the chicken strips, but, um, you know, I kind of just go in and ask them what their thing that they are doing that they like the most. You know what I mean? I I, usually, when I order, I don't order menu. I just ask whoever's working there, what the best thing is and just go with it. So I can try as many new things as possible. (laughs) I I don't know if you saw, but they've opened a, you know, the heirloom people have opened some like, uh, like uh, modern Mediterranean or Middle Eastern food, uh, like bowls and stuff, which, hey, I, you know, any, any other way, any way for them to get food into my body, like I will, I, I will follow them into the desert. Um, and I, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, part of me feels bad though, because like, they're obviously very successful. And there's lots of other small business owners in town that could probably use me buying some carne asada fries or, you know, some pizza, well, not pizza because pizza is always fine, but you know, there's plenty yeah. of other restaurants that I probably should be eating at. So I feel a little bit guilty sometimes. I'm sure you feel similarly as someone that works in the food industry. Um, like, oh, yeah. how do I, how do I like both uh, appease what I want taste wise, but also help people? I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird, uh, a weird dichotomy is that there's all these, like 
conflicting things going on where you're, you want to stay at home. You also want to support small business, but to go and support them, what you're saying is we need to pick up the food ourselves. And it, it's just also confusing. It's awful. I know. It's truly and awful. you're always in trouble for something. You always exactly. do it wrong, especially if you do it in front of other people, you do it wrong or you mess it up. I don't know. Yeah. There's it's so a hard many. thing. And hopefully we'll all just get shots in our arms and we'll be back sitting in heirloom in person um, very soon. But let's, uh, let's talk about uh, baking. Um, so, and this is a good uh, kind of episode to just kind of sit back, relax, and talk about the unstressful thing of baking. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic here. Baking for <laughs> most people is very stressful, um, which is ironic because people do it to relax. Um, and it's also ironic because people watch other people suffering while they bake to relax. You know, I mean, the Great British Baking Show is considered like the most calming television. And yet most of the people on that show are having borderline panic attacks while they're trying to get a, you know, a sponge right. Um, and so it's, it's a weird thing, baking. And I, you know, we could talk about whether it's a science or art. Obviously with you, it's both because you're both, you know, trying to create a consistent cake, but also decorating it uniquely in each respect. Um, so I'm going to ask a very simple, basic question. What is the key to a good sponge? Oh, if only the answer were simple. <laughs> everyone would simple, make right? A, right. Everyone would make great sponge and I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> you know what? There's like seven keys to a good sponge. Tell you us. You can do it. Okay. The first thing that everyone does wrong, well, not everyone, but in America, especially, we don't take our dairy products out and bring them to room temperature. Um, uh. In the in Europe, uh, my mom's English, so I kind of get a little inside info, but they do not refrigerate their butter. They don't refrigerate their eggs. Now here we got to refrigerate eggs because in America we wash them. So totally, I know. You do. And I, I'm actually getting into more uh, class teaching. So I'm figuring out just how many things I need to say out loud. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Okay. So let's go back to our list. Um, okay. Things at room temperature. What else? Uh, you're going to use glass and metal bowls. Um, okay. And then the most important thing is to get as much air into your cake as possible. Cause that's what creates all the little bubbles inside. Um, but they're, they're bubbles, so you have to be careful. So the first way to get air into your cake is when you're creaming your butter with your sugar. You want to keep that going as long as you can um, to get a, a good amount of air in it. And then when you add your flour, you don't want to just mix it in there or do it on your mixer. You want to fold it in by hand. Okay. And that'll keep your air inside. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Okay. See, and that's, you know, I've heard conflicting things about, you know, how much to work things like um, there's an, this great show that came from that movie uh, uh, chef um, that called the chef show. It's on Netflix and the episode with uh, what's her name from milk bar. Oh, Christina Toffee. Yeah. She, I watched her make cookies and her thing was people always under mix I guess the, maybe the butter and sugar part of the, yep. of the rest of creaming it, creaming the mm -hmm. sugar. Um, and so it's just hard. So, but it, it feels like it's, it's one depends. It's different in every, every time you make it, but then it's like, how do you really know? Cause it's not, it's, it's, it seems like it's based on appearance maybe, or. 
Yeah, a lot of it's practice, appearance, and consistency. And you have to take into account how warm your room is, how cold your butter was when you started. Like, was it out for 24 hours or did you get it out a couple hours ago? Right. It's quite the practice makes perfect situation. (laughs) I love love this giant list you're going through because it really goes to undercut my question. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's not simple (laughs) in any way. Continue, no. please. No, no. I want you, I want to be. I want it to be clear to everyone what what you do um, is is not. You're not just you know baking cakes. You know you're. Yeah. It, it is a science. So continue, please. Yeah. Um, the next thing that's really important is knowing your oven. Yes. You if you've got to know your oven. Every oven is different. I replaced my oven about nine months ago, and it took me at least two months to really know my oven. And then once you know your oven, every recipe that you use is going to change your temperature, your time based so on your that, oven. Is that about <laughs> lo- like in certain places in the oven, it's hotter or that your temperature gauge doesn't match the actual heat of your oven. So what do you mean? Know your oven? Well, so you can get a, a temperature gauge to put in your oven and test that the dial is exactly Uh, what it is inside, which is the first thing you want to do. The second thing you want to do is practice with it because like you're saying, the heat distributes differently in every oven, depending on if it's a convection, forced air oven, or just a standard oven. They're all different. And my oven has a forced air and a standard option. So depending on what you're going to make, you need to experiment because your recipe is being written by someone with a different oven forced air regular convection you know Uh, do we just uh, is it something is it do we just have a microwave complex in the sense that we have used microwaves for so long and microwaves you know the kind of the the waves are consistently distributed um over the inside of the microwave but the oven oven is much more of an analog instrument in some ways so sure. it feels like it feels like we're just we just assume that once you put something in there, the heat is the same and it's everywhere and it's consistent. But it's yep, not true. That's, that's not true. Is what you're not saying. true. Okay. And it's not true if you're opening it to look at your stuff, which you don't ever want to do either. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trick I, that I, use. I do. I do barbecue. I do like old school kind of offset barbecue. And the line in barbecue is if you're looking, it's not cooking. Exactly. Yeah, you never want to open your oven on a bake because it will deflate whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was going to say, people who cook with like grills and old school methods more often are better naturally at baking than people who never use those items, I think. Got it. Well, I'm the exception to that rule, but please continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, one last thing. Well, we talked about not opening your oven. Mm-hmm. Um I like to preheat my oven 25 degrees higher than the bake time bake temperature so that by the time I've opened it, put my items inside uh, the oven, I turn my oven down and I don't lose that heat. That is genius. That is, that is so, such, cause I mean, it's true, but and it, the ovens, the ovens are lying to us because when you open them, it doesn't show a temperature modification, but obviously if you're releasing mm-hmm. hot air out of there, there's the temperature is going to change. They're lying to us, man. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. They want us to fail. <laughs> I know this is terrible. Well, okay. So that's the, so if we're thinking about 
a good sponge's inputs and outputs. You've discussed the inputs. What what is the what is the goal in terms of output for a good sponge? How do you if getting a big old thing of flour and I go home to make a cake, what problems am I going to run into potentially? Uh, you pro- it's it's easier to overprocess and overwork that. I think that's why uh, people tend to use or recommend a cake flour for people cooking at home um, because of the tendency to overmix, which develops the gluten and then makes it dense and yucky. I'm guessing. I haven't yeah. done it that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it, I mean, it's just such a hard thing because we all want to be able to do it. Right. And, and I'm sure you agree that like amateur cooks should be able to make, their own cakes and make them well and that's the goal is for you to feel confident in the kitchen but to pretend like all these complexities don't exist is is part of the problem as well and so it, it just feels like it's such a hard thing which kind of leads to my question next question which is uh, in your mind is baking more of an art or a science unfortunately it's a science and i think we all want to do it like art class and then it doesn't turn out and everyone's like, I can't do this. But if we slow down a little bit and use a scale instead of a measuring cup and a few basics, it'll, it'll make it a lot easier. I think if people got rid of their measuring cups and used a scale, they'd have more success. Yes. And I've, I've moved over to the land of grams um, and yes. away from the land of cups and things a long time ago. And that has really improved my baking. But I think, you know, some people might hear that it's uh, the fact that it's a science and not an art is bad news. But in my mind, that's the best news you can hear because what that means is, is you don't have to have some kind of artistic talent. You just need to be precise, um, yeah. controlled, and anyone can learn how to do it. Because if it's truly a science, uh, we can teach people how to do science. Art, maybe we can, but it's more challenging. Uh, you know, super expensive decadent Snickers bars. Um, and you know, she has like a, inst- like, like piece by piece in an Instagram story going through the whole thing. And like, it all seemed very clear, but I got to tell you, like, it looks like a dump truck ran over our Snickers bars when they were done, you know? And it's <laughs> like, I feel like, and I've said this to my wife, I, I, I feel like sometimes the best recipes are the least cute, um, because they're the most well-tested and some of these Instagram recipes that we see are just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that she got lucky when she made hers, but like, I don't know how well tested it is if she's just doing it for the first time in a social media world. You know what I mean? It's just. Oh yeah. Well, and there's a, there's a pressure to create, create, create and never stop and always do more. And so people do get into this zone of ah, I threw it together I took some pictures it was fine and then other people are like I, I made that and it kind of sucked <laughs> you know and it's the thing is um like she let me let me see she I'm, I'm sure she has a lot of followers let me see oh she has a ton I have like three of her cookbooks her dinners are amazing yes and we're I'm not picking on her in any capacity but just to say oh, no. that you know she, she has 2.6 million followers and if I go let's let me see, to America's Test Kitchen, which is, America's Test Kitchen has 1.2 million. Yeah. So if we think about that as like a metaphor maybe, uh, or, you know, yeah, a metaphor for like, how flour do you use? Um, I use like three different kinds. So okay. I'll use an AP flour 
a cake flour. And then sometimes for some of my other items, I'll use a higher protein flour, like a King Arthur flour. Okay. So it depends on what you're going to do. Normally, though, I can use a, a mixture of cake flour and AP flour. And I, I get them at the restaurant supply stores. Okay. So, so what's, uh, is it the milling process? What's the difference between these flours? So the cake flour is finer and it has an added, uh, I believe it's cornstarch. Uh, okay. I might get enough on that test, but it lightens it up. Um, AP flowers just regularly milled and it has uh, less of a protein content. Different flowers have different protein content, which changes the elasticity of what you're making. So like for a bread flour, you're going to want a really high protein content. Whereas for a cake, it doesn't require as much. And in fact, the more protein is in it, the less fluffy it will be for you. So let's say I'm just, you know, I'm Joe Schmo Fresno and I'm going into my. Okay. So, yeah, that's quite, quite a trade secret. Um, they will allow you to prep a certain percentage of like decorative items ahead of time because they know that 12 hours is not enough to make a cake from beginning through the end. Usually it takes a couple of days at least. And one of those days is you have to cool your cake. <laughs> if yes. you start that's why that's why these shows like nailed it they're failing everything because they don't give them any time to even cool their items down before they're putting you know butter on it that's just gonna melt <laughs> and I'm like looking I'm like is there a blast chiller somewhere that someone could you No, they don't they don't do that so um yeah the time constraints were absolutely ridiculous uh even with being able to prep stuff um so much so that I actually um, forgot to dowel my cake and no one knew and they still don't know, but um, I was no, waiting for it to implode. Now, you know, that cake, <laughs> <Secrets out. laughs> if you look at it, it's leaning and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I didn't need any more drama on TV, but um, <laughs> yeah, that one was the most difficult for sure. And everyone's staring at you and they're filming you and they're like two inches from your face. And they ask you questions like at the most um, stressful points. They know when those points are. And so they come and talk to you so that they can get you to say something dramatic. And it's just like, ah. <laughs> you know, I, okay, let's, let's talk. Let's, let's just get into the great British baking show. So one of the things that okay. people say is that show um, is, kind of like what people would want American culinary competitions to be like, because things feel more. Yeah, you can get very, you can get screwed by being on one platform. For example, I've been hacked twice this month. Um, I don't know why. And then the hacker within the 30 seconds of being in there before my um, dual verification kicks them out, um, does something to get my account restricted. So like, for example, right now I cannot comment or post anything with a comment or a caption for about a week until the last hack like wears off and Instagram does not care. They do not care if your account is not working. Wow. Yeah. So, and then whenever they change the algorithm, it really can affect how your audience sees you, whether they see you or not. Um, and, and they can kind of make it so you disappear if, if they tweak it just right. Yeah. So, if you're going to do social media, get on multiple platforms. That way, um, 
if you lose one or get one messed up, you're not out of luck completely. So I recently became a middle-aged TikToker. There you go. Oh, you guys. You know, it's an important thing. Um, you know, everyone can do it. Um, my buddy Paul Swearingen can do it. He's on TikTok and he's, you know, I don't, I'm not going to call him a boomer, but he's an old guy and he's on TikTok. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely important. And I, you know, I mean, it's just a tool, right? At the end of the day, it's just yeah. a tool. Um, and I, you know, TikTok, Instagram. So I guess my, my, my follow-up is, is there a lot, is the, how big is the kind of like artisan cake or dessert industry in Fresno? I mean, is there many people doing what you're doing? Um, it has grown a lot. So cottage licensing became, became available, I want to say six years, seven years ago. Um, and I think I was one of the first people in the Valley to like utilize it. Right. But since then, there's been quite a few cottage bakers. There's a lot of cookiers. Um, yes. But I, I see more and more every year, especially right now with coronavirus lockdowns. I've seen a huge increase. Do you and think it's really cool. Stay after, or do you think it's just a thing to make money in the in between? I think that I'll, I think that a percentage will, but I I have seen people think, oh, you know, that's not that big of a deal. I'm give it a try, and then they realize <laughs> how much time, yeah, it takes, and they're like, you know, I actually I don't need to do this, so never mind. I'll just. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a lot of a lot of. And speaking of TikTok, I feel like TikTok is full of those business ideas. Like, here's five ways to become a real estate millionaire in ten minutes. Um, and then when you actually get into it, you, you realize it takes ten years, and you're like, "Well, I think I'm just going to go back to YouTube now and watch a few more YouTube videos. That sounds a little easier." So I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, creating a studio like you have, and you know curating uh, a following. I mean, all that takes a long time and it's a process and requires consistency, you know, to really build an audience, you have to be consistent and that's challenging. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny because my kids will be like, mom, mom. And they're like, get off your phone. I'm like, I'm working. And they're like, no, you're not. You're playing. And I'm like, I really am working. I swear. But it, it kind of is embarrassing because it feels like, um, I don't know. It feels a little bit like a superficial part of the job, but it's my favorite part is getting on and doing stupid uh, Instagram stories. That's, I like that probably more than a, many other things. Well, you just want to, <laughs> you want to, you want to build like your brand, right. And your audience yeah. and people know who you are and cause people buy, buy into people. They don't, you know, they buy products, but they want to really want to like support a person. Um, yeah. So I wanted to close by talking about some of your favorite bakers, but I actually want to ask a question before that, um, which is, you know, we were talking about how hard baking is. Um, can you give a couple uh, simple things that people could start with, you know, like baking wise that maybe are less challenging before they make that tiered cake? <laughs> yes. Um, actually, I have a, a super simple, but from scratch, delicious brownie recipe, um, on my blog. And that is a good way to start. If you can, it, it's hard to ruin a brownie, um, 
because if it comes out a little gooey, most people like that anyway. Right. And if it comes out too hard, you can cut the sides off. So, and if you're working with kids, a brownie is a good place to start. Got it. Um, aside from that, uh, banana bread is also a good place to start because if you overdevelop the gluten in that one, you're not going to notice because it's got banana, which is really gooey and sticky and gelatinous anyway. Yes. <laughs> you can cover I mean, a lot. It's, I know it's sad for people because you just want to make your sourdough loaf. But if, you know, I, I think you'll get a lot more pleasure out of a banana bread or a brownie sooner, yeah. which is the goal here for a lot of people. Just get, you know, carbs in my body fast. Um, and I think um, when you feel like, ah, this is like I can, when, when you don't have to look at a recipe to make those two things, then I think that's probably a sign that you're ready to move on in my mind. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, okay. Now let's talk about uh, Instagram bakers and people you follow. Cause I'm, I'm curious, uh, who do you look to? Who, who gives you kind of your inspiration on there? Who should we, we be following? The first person that I started following like seven years ago um, when I decided to get into this is a guy named uh, Cliff and it's called Cakes by Cliff. And he's in Australia. I really like the Australian bakers. So I like him. Um, I like Catherine Sabbath. She's really fun. And she just went into um, food coloring line. And her colors are really good. Um, what does that mean? I, like, I don't know what that means. Food coloring oh, lines? She, uh, instead of baking and doing uh, cookbooks, she bought out a line of food coloring that a oh. company previously had and she took that over. So now she's moving into more of products. Interesting. And, uh, Food coloring. Yeah. So like, like what I think, like little drop, drop into a cake to make yeah. it pink? Yeah. Don't, don't use the drop one. Get okay. gel. Oh, gel. Okay. Okay. Well, see, you opened up this can of worms, so now we got to talk about it. What's wrong with the drops? Uh, they're too wet and they can really uh, mess up your buttercream. They can mess up in, um, in your cake color. I don't really like to color the actual cake unless someone specifically requests it because it can taste yucky. Yeah. But stick with a gel food coloring and use as little of it as possible. So my cakes are really colorful, but the color layer is like a less than a quarter inch thick layer underneath it of it's just frosting. Got it. Because you don't want to taste that color. Right. If you have to put enough color to make it go that deep, then you're going to taste it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Gels, <laughs> not drops. I know. I now know. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Australian bakers. Um, so what makes oh. in Australia such good bakers? It's so hot there and they've got that hole in the ozone layer. I mean, I know. What are... melting. <laughs> you know, I think they're sassy and it resonates with me. I think that's what it is. Cause like you were saying, you identify with the person more than the product. Yeah. Um, and I really like those sassy Australians. <laughs> yes. Makes sense. What about there's American a, bakers? Uh, there's one called I am baker and she is flipping hilarious. Um, I think her name is Amanda and she does these fake, uh, your content is terrible hotlines where she just kind of roasts the comment section. She has an alter ego and she has a little headset and, she pretends she's in a call center and it is, it's hilarious. I mean, I don't know if it's hilarious if you're a baker or if you're not a baker, but to me, it's hysterical. <laughs> right. Right. 
<laughs> she's hilarious. Um, I like Emily from Bon Vivant Cakes. She's an East Coast decorator. Um, and she's actually really growing right now. She has a lot of online classes that are really fun. If you guys are looking for something to do, she teaches via Zoom or like pre-recorded lessons. Feels like that's a growing she, industry that kind of like the instructional online stuff that the pandemic kind of pushed on us, but it feels like that's going to stay because it's so, so helpful and so flexible. And then people can, you know, I mean, obviously you can charge a lot more for, you know, that kind of instructional work. So it could be a good, uh, you know, feature of the industry for uh, online chefs and bakers. Yeah. And I think you grow more by the um, value that you provide. So if you're just putting up pictures, but you're not teaching anything, people will be like, wow, that's nice, but they're not going to stick around. They're not going to save it. They're not going to share it. And that's really how you grow anyway. Did you say um, you're doing some instructional stuff? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm trying to record some instructional stuff. My kids are all home still. So that really throws a wrench in whether or not I can record, but I guess they're supposed to go back to school on Tuesday. Yep. <laughs> oh, I'm like, please don't get sick, but also bye. <laughs> it's been a long year and mommy yeah. is yeah. tired. <laughs> so what, what, what kind of instructional videos are you, I mean, what's, what's the plan? Well, right now I'm actually recording something for uh, Sunmade Raisins on Wednesday. I'm teaching a class on how to decorate cookie stacks. Um, and then I hope to do some decorating classes, baking 101 classes. I've done live classes, but I haven't recorded them so that you could watch them at any time. And so I think that's what I'd like to do is get some on-demand recordings as soon as my house is quiet enough to actually film without a half-dressed child running through the background. <laughs> I mean, that might, it's, it's charming, right? You know, I charming, mean, my audience will definitely, they'll definitely, uh, my audience will definitely expect it. So maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. um, thanks for coming to talk to me. I, um, where can people find uh, your blog? Um, what's your, what's the Instagram handle? Rachel makes it. Um, yeah, on Instagram, I'm Rachel Makes It. On TikTok, I'm Rachel Makes More Cake. And my website is also rachelmakesmorecake.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. This was a lot yeah, of fun. No problem. I, I, I learned so much. And your <laughs> seven points at the beginning, you know, it's my mind is already churning about the next thing I'm going to bake and, you know, what to avoid. And it's very helpful information. I know people will find it helpful too, because I think we just all need to be talked to like we're adults. Look. Keep your stuff out of the fridge, you know? Just just keep your shit together, guys. No, exactly, okay, I exactly, swear. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time. Have a great week. <laughs>